Feltone Hearing Aid Center presents The Drive. Ready, fight! The Drive. Elmore deep, left side three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome into the Tuesday, December 11th edition. The Drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We are presented today by Belltone Hearing Aid Center. The phone number to be a part of the program is 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. While we're day after the Thundering Herds victory over Moorhead State, we're going to hear a little bit later on from C.J. Burks. Caught up with him last night. Wanted to get his thoughts on the victory. Also, we'll hear a little bit from John Elmore, Jansen Williams from their post game. Also, we'll get Dan D'Antoni's thoughts as Marshall needed that one. That was important. Hundredth playing of that game, the Thundering Herd winning the Ellis Johnson Trophy. Of course, for those of you who don't know, Ellis, of course, legendary. He was at both schools, so there's that connection. That's another thing that maybe sometimes Herd fans don't remember. A little history here. You hadn't beaten Moorhead consistently in a while, so now hopefully that continues and you get to keep the Ellis Johnson Trophy. So that's a big win for the Thundering Herd. And Marshall gets the win, 76-64. to I'll tell you what I liked. I liked the energy. I liked the effort. And Marshall could have won this by more, but Dan called dogs off. He really did. I thought that was gracious of him. Some other guys got an opportunity to play. But I like Jansen Williams' game. Four for eight. He was two of four from the three-point line. Hit four or five of his three-point shots. He had eight boards. I thought that was great from him. He had 14 points total. Two blocks. He had two good blocks. Also, I want to point out that Darius George had three blocks. Uh, Byers had two. C.J. Burks had a block. Rondell Watson had a block. John Elmore had a block. Iran Bennett had a block. Hey, let's talk about Iran Bennett's game. Three of four. Okay, that's good. I'm good with that right there. When he got to the free throw line, he hit all three. Again, I'm good with that. Um, He wasn't out there that long, 11 minutes. But part of the reason why he wasn't out there long is because he got into foul trouble as well. So five fouls, and you got to sit on the bench and watch the rest of the game. He had nine points total, but I thought he was okay when he was out there. Now, he did have a couple of turnovers. He got a block, though, but 11 minutes, I'm good with that. But let's dial it back to Jansen Williams again. Like where his game is coming, he was out there 23 minutes. I was also pleased to see Jared West out there. He had 27 minutes, and yeah, you look at his shot line, one of six. All right, that's not good, Paul. I'm good with that, though, because he's he's getting some looks, and he was one of four from three. So, throwing a three, that's good. Hit one of two of his free throw shots. Okay, offensively, he's not kicking it in maybe the way you think he should, but I I am really sold on what he brings outside of scoring. You've got to score to, of course, win, but you also got to play some defense. Now, he had three defensive boards, three total, and all defensive, and he got four points in the game. Had one assist, had a couple of steals, I'm expecting that from him. Only one foul, so you could keep him out there longer. I thought he definitely brought some energy, and he's doing things out there that maybe you don't see on the score sheet. I liked his game last night. And even though C.J. Burks had 10 points, I was good with his game. Shooting, 
Need to heat it up a little bit. Yeah, 11 looks, have four makes. One of those was a three-pointer. He shot seven times from the three-point line, hit one. So you see where the majority of his shots were coming from. Hit one of two of his free throws, but he had six defensive boards like that. Two fouls, stayed out of foul trouble. Here's what he gave you, though. Other than those 10 points, he gave you four assists on three turnovers, had one block, two steals. He was out there 35 minutes. I thought it was a solid game from him because, again, look at the assist numbers. Marshall had 16 assists. Moorhead State had nine. Marshall as a team shot 26 of 59. Moorhead State shot 20 of 57. And I think the blocks indicate that they're playing a little better defense. The assists mean that they're looking for guys trying to make a play. Points in the paint, we talked about this all week last week. When the Thundering Herd is victorious in the paint, they usually win. And sure, it was only a two-point differential, 28-26, to but Marshall won the battle of the paint. Marshall did not win the battle of points off turnovers, 24-21. to They did not win the second-chance point battle, 11-8. to Marshall did get four fast-break points compared to Moorhead's two, and then Bench came off and scored 19 compared to Moorhead's 10. But again, last few minutes of that game, you got some different guys out there, so... I think the hustle stats were there. Marshall could have just kept the main lineup out there and really just stomped this team if they wanted to. But I thought it was wise of what Dan did. He pulled some guys out. He put you know, a couple of guys in. We saw Sustic out there for a few minutes. I mean, that was great, right? Uh, Thinneman, we saw him for a couple of minutes. Give these guys an opportunity to go out there and play. Give them some play time. And you know what? You got the win. That's all you care about. It doesn't matter if you won by 15 or 20. You got the win. Good crowd last night. 6,253 show up. I thought it was a really nice crowd on a Monday. And it was Moorhead. I like this rivalry. I hope they keep playing it again. Play this game. Play Ohio. You got to play those every year. Find a way to make those games work. Make this a bigger deal. I'd had a trophy presentation. I would do a trophy presentation after the game. Win or lose. Now, it's better if you're on your home court and you get the trophy presentation, but I would have the trophy presentation. Show people the Ellis Johnson trophy. Show that thing off a little bit and make that more significant. Make that a big deal. And the fact that it was your 100th game against Moorhead State, you've only played Ohio more. So Ohio and Moorhead State, your big rivals. I think Moorhead State likes getting after the herd. I think Marshall definitely likes getting after Moorhead State. This game should be played every year. I'm glad they resumed it a few years ago and just keep it up because I like Moorhead State. I like playing those guys. And they're fun. It makes sense for Marshall. You can just drive down there. It's a great game for the Thundering Herd on the road as well. So we're going to hear from CJ in a few minutes. I've got a conversation with him from last night. We'll also hear from John Elmore and Jansen Williams. We'll get their post game from last night, and we'll hear some comments from Dan D'Antoni as we have got basketball to get into. And then later on, we're going to talk a little football with you. We're several days away. By official counts, today is Tuesday. So we are nine days away 
I don't know if you've heard the commercials on the airwaves, but we are nine days away from Marshall and USF. That's coming up. We'll get you ready for that game. We'll take your phone calls as well. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. I got C.J. Burks when we come back from break, and we'll also hear from Dan D'Antoni, John Elmore, Jansen Williams, and your phone calls on this edition of The Drive presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Tuesday, December 11th edition. The Drive presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Marshall with a victory last night over Morant State, 76-64. Marshall improves to 6-4. and four. Moorhead State dropped to 3-6 and six last night and after the game. I had a chance to catch up with C.J. Burks, and he kind of wanted to talk to him a little bit about the fact that this felt more like it wasn't a couple of guys going out there trying to carry the weight of the team on their shoulders. It really was a team effort. Yeah, everybody definitely did their parts. Uh, we have a lot of guys that – they're kind of just getting in their heads that they have to uh, – that everybody has a role on the team to play. So everybody's – that's kind of clicking in everybody's head. So once everybody's playing playing their role, you know, they, uh, they know what they have to do. And everybody's just helping out the team is the best way it can. Was it mission one just to come out and have a fast start tonight, no matter who the opponent was? Oh, yeah, yes, sir. Uh, we we kind of been kind of coming out a little bit slow lately. So Coach has – he has stretched to us that we had to come out come out with more pace. We have to uh, come out with more intensity. So that's going to be keys for us to set the pace for the whole game. What has it been that happened tonight that hasn't been happening in those last few games? I know intensity, pace, all of that's important, but was it just something that just finally clicked that got you guys over that hump? Really, uh, our communication is getting a lot better, especially on defense. Our defense picked up a great amount, so that's definitely helping us out a lot. Um, I could just say our defense really just picked up picked up its pace, so everybody's taking it kind of personal on defense, and we're just trying to stay engaged and bring the intensity on defense every possession. Up next, you get a few days off, and then you guys are on the road for a while. It's going to be a different pace during the holidays. Uh, definitely will be a different pace. Um, we got a lot of home, a lot of away games coming up, so it's it's a different type of uh, intensity and mindset that you have to have to go into those games to win games like that. So we're everybody just going to stay focused. You know, it's a long road, so away games we just gonna everybody just need to stay locked in and don't take any days off, and we'll be fine. Feels good going on the road now, knowing you got this uh, losing streak over with. Once we got that out the way, that, it's a great feeling, you know. So we're gonna just go away. You know, just try to knock them off game by game. Everybody just stay locked in, and we we know how great we're going to be. We just need everybody to just join in and just stay locked in on the road. That was C.J. Burks from last night. Feeling pretty good about the win. Now, um, while I was talking to C.J. back in the back, Bill Cornwell was uh, catching up with John Elmore and Jansen Williams as they were talking to the media. And John and Jansen felt pretty good about the win as well. I thought we really locked in. Uh, it was a tough loss, Toledo here. Um, I thought it was a great way to bounce back. The energy was great. Defensively, we played a lot better. Ball was moving. We hit threes. Uh, we were playing Marshall basketball, ultimately. So uh, it was good to show a glimpse of what we can do. And it's just a matter of piecing that together and staying consistent. Yeah, I mean, we played really good D. Um, like you said, we played Marshall basketball. And we've been we've been waiting for that for a long time. Uh, yeah, it was a tough loss with Toledo um, at the home game, but it's really really good to whoop Morehead at home, get the trophy back, uh, and then gain our confidence back. Anybody else have any more questions? Jansen, you uh, I think six games ago you scored twenty four. Maryland. Five eight, five eight. I don't whatever. remember that much. Where though. you been? <laughs> Where you been? <laughs> um, like like I said, I mean we're we're just trying to figure out. You know, obviously losing Idine um, yeah. was a tough loss, but I mean 
I got to fill in some big shoes. I need to step up, but I got some big feet, so mm -hmm. I can fill those shoes. <laughs> Just searching for consistency. I guess you could say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess you could say that. <clears throat> you had a big, uh, Jens. You had a big second half. Uh, you scoring all but three of your points. What changed during halftime for you? Uh, second wind. I guess you could say. Um, halftime, we saw we were up by 18, and we were in the locker room and said, you know, let's just keep the gas pedal on. You know. So we did that. We started having fun. Um, and when we have fun, we play Marshall basketball. And that's where everybody shines. So, yeah. John, uh, watching the game as it went on, it seemed like they were, they were just turnover after turnover, turnover. You almost had as many as they did. It, it, it didn't seem that way, though. There, there was, I think, were more damaging. Uh, yeah, I thought defensively the energy was great from the jump. Uh, I thought everybody was really locked in during the scout. Um, we've. We're starting to tinker lineups a lot where we've got different lineups where we're playing small, we're playing really small, uh, we're playing big, we got Iron, Jansen in the game, stuff like that. So it's just a matter of communicating, um, knowing matchups, knowing guys' tendencies and stuff like that. And uh, I thought everybody honed in really well. Uh, it's a great win. I know we owed them one. They kind of whooped us up there last year. So like Jansen said, it's good to get the trophy back, but uh, it's a great bounce back win. We could have dwelled on Toledo. We could have. We could have pouted. We could have came out of sleep and had a slow start like Toledo. But I thought we had the foot on the pedal the whole game, and uh, it's a great bounce back win. That was John and Jansen. I like Rick McCann asking, "Hey, where you been?" Talking to Jansen, "Where you been?" He looked pretty good out there. Fourteen points, twenty-three minutes. So uh, thundering herd with the victory. And you know, at the end of the night, when Dan D'Antoni's in a good mood, everybody's happy because that's the happiest man on earth. And when he's in a bad mood, you know something's not right. So win, play right, keep him in a good mood. We don't have to see mean Dan D'Antoni. I don't want to see mean Dan D'Antoni, but here's what Dan had to say to the media after the game last night. Yeah, we're, we're starting to get there in the timing. You know, you can't go three years playing an outside, totally outside game. So we didn't have anybody to post. And now you got Iron who can post a little bit. And the timing of getting him back from an outside to an inside position post and getting the ball down to him, we still got some work to do. But it's, it's getting there. And he, he has to understand that in doing so, he's got to make multiple efforts. Uh, when he first got here, I think he would make one effort. And if he didn't get it, he'd just fade away. And he has to understand that we're a growing ball club to do things that way. He's got to make multiple efforts. We'll get him one out of four now, two out of four a little bit later. Hopefully by the end of the season we get into three out of four where he can squeeze down and, and, and put the ball right in the basket. Because once he turns his shoulders, he's shooting layups. Got uh, 16 assists on 26 baskets. That's getting close to what you want. It's getting better. Uh, they did a nice job. They switched everything. They got pretty good little athletes that can stay in front of you. And uh, they did a nice job, but I thought Jansen ran through, got a couple good ones. They come hard, too, on the catch. And we, we were talking about at halftime, just catch the ball. And Iron did it one time. He threw it up for a like normal lob. He just reached up, snatched it, brought it down, waited, and then finished it. And, uh, uh, they, you know, like I said, they're, they're quick and uh, hard-nosed little kids, and uh, they played well. So, you know, we're going to get better every, every game I, I see. You know, different people popping their heads up a little bit. And that's <coughs> what happens. You have to understand we got five that played and 
90 didn't play. So it, it takes a little while to coordinate everybody. I thought uh, Tavian did a nice job out at the guard spot. He's really, really solid defensively, very good and solid offensively. And he's going to grow too. He'll he'll start learning where he can uh, be a little more aggressive with things. Got to get George going again, get him uh, performing like uh, I know he can. Uh, look at the minutes, and it's just hard when you got that many players to get everybody the minutes they they deserve. I set Rondell to probably too long, but the you know, team's going good, and it just happens that way. Coach eight steals, eleven blocks. How important? Is that effort on the defensive end to transition to what you guys want to do offensively? Well, you know what? I've been preaching that from day one. So you see, it took me five years to get it across. <laughs> I'm probably not a very good coach. But, uh, you know, it's extremely important. And it makes the offense better. When I played, I, you know, they talked about our scoring, Georgia's scoring. But we were a very good defensive team. And we came off of our defense into scoring opportunities. And that's what I'm trying to establish here. Got a nice job. Jared does a nice job uh, hunting the ball, <coughs> pointing up on the ball. John's gotten tremendously better. CJ's gotten off the ball. He was always good on the ball, but off the ball he's gotten really good. We got to get our bigs a little. I think they try to block shots like Pinnava, but Pinnava is about five inches longer, a couple inches taller and it had great timing. And Jansen's trying to get the same angles, and he's got to understand he can't do that. He's got to front the ball a little bit more than what Pendleton does, letting it get to the side and then blocking it at the end. Jared's, I mean, uh, Jansen's not quite got that length, and he's got to be able to uh, contest the ball a little earlier and kind of stop it a little short, not let it get there. And Michael Byers, we got to work on. He's capable, but his, uh, uh, if the tortoise and the hare ran a race and he was in it, he'd probably come in last. So, I, you know, we got and, and he's, not, he's capable of being faster. Uh, he just processes the game a little. We got to get him to pick it up because I've seen him run to the rim, things like that. He's quick. And uh, it's just on certain things, we got to get him to where he makes second, second efforts and things of that nature. That's Dan D'Antoni talking to the media after the games of the Thundering Herd. Victorious things falling in place a little bit better. Now they're going to hit the road. Try to get a win in the MAC. That's important. Try to get a win in the MAC. Thundering Herd's doing okay in the OVC. Now Marshall's got to start winning the MAC before they get into the Conference USA schedule. All right, when we come back from break, we'll get some of your phone calls in. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the future of college football as far as, uh, well, uh, some potential Power 5 moves and what the AAC is trying to do to, to keep that from happening. We'll talk about that when we continue with this edition of The Drive, presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back. It's The Drive presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center. I'm your host, Paul Swan, on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So, South Florida, that's the Thundering Herd's opponent in the upcoming Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. And if Marshall can win this one, it'd be a pretty good victory. South Florida coming from the AAC. They like to push themselves as a power six. In all reality, that's not the case. But they're trying to do everything they can to keep themselves locked in to that power six status that they so crave, trying to elevate their conference a little bit more. And... I don't know if they realize how predatory it might come off the way they're trying to do it. So what's happening here is they want to have their school sign a grant of rights agreement. We've seen that before, and that was in fashion a few years ago when you had all these land grabs, conferences trying to grab other schools, trying to make sure that they inflated their numbers. And so according to Sports Business Daily, the AAC wants schools to sign a grant of rights agreement. And what that really means is is you've got UCF right now, which has elevated its program. It's a contender. It's in the conversation. And you've got other schools like USF, Memphis, Cincinnati, Houston. These are all schools that are really working hard to, to improve their programs. They see their programs, their football programs especially, as their ticket out, eventually getting them into a more premier conference, a Power Five. And so they're trying to keep everybody wrangled up because once the current media deal runs out, guess what? UCF can say, hey, here we are. You want us? Because the AAC's media package is going to expire in 2020. Now, there could be a new deal. It could be worth three or four times more than the current $126 million. It's a seven-year deal. But, again, here's the deal. ESPN's not going to fork that kind of cash over if, say, UCF isn't in the fold. Because right now, somebody could say, you know what? Let's get them in the program. They've got one of the biggest universities in America. The program is competing at high levels. They're committed to football. They're putting the money in. And they're right now knocking on the door. No one's answering, but they're on the outside looking in. But they're right there. They're at the door. They're on the porch. They're they're in your yard, on the porch, sitting in your favorite chair on your porch because you're not opening the door, so they're just hanging out on your porch right now. They haven't done anything like throw a rock through your window to get in, but they're knocking on the door, and they just won't go away. So they look like they're a nice kid. Maybe you bring them in. That's what's going to happen. Eventually, somebody's going to get smart and say, you know what, this Central Florida school, maybe, yeah, we should bring them in. And you know that... Central Florida, South Florida, candidates for the Big 12 when they were exploring expansion a couple years ago. But the Big 12 decided, no, we like splitting the money 
less waves instead of adding numbers to our conference. We don't want 12 teams in our big. Then you get the Big Ten that's like, no, you know, more the merrier. Come on in. So now that Central Florida is going back to a New Year's Six Bowl, they've won the AAC back-to-back, they've won 25 games in a row, and they want in the college football playoff because they feel like we've proved ourselves worthy of being part of it. They're closer than ever now. I mean, they weren't even in the discussion. Now they're kind of, well, why aren't we seeing those kids in? Why haven't they been invited in? And then you get Danny White. I love this guy. He's probably going to declare UCF the national champion back-to-back if they win. He called the college football playoff an invitational. It's not a playoff. It's an invitational. And so he's advocating for an expansion. Hey, let some people in. You think four is great? Eight would be better, right? So Bill Hancock, the college football playoff executive director, said, eh, yeah, no, we're not talking about that right now. So now here's the AAC. AAC's thinking, you know, we got a good thing going here right now. So let's get this grant of right thing going. Here's some paperwork. Hey, look this over. We can make some money here. We can make some cash here if you sign this thing. And if they sign this thing, then TV is going to start throwing a little bit more cash the way, right? That's the deal. But I don't know if you could do that. I don't know if you could force a university to sign a deal like this and enforce it truly. If there's a way in, there's a way out. And so they're wanting to lock these things up. Now, this isn't going to be an issue for, like, Conference USA, the MAC, anything like this anytime soon. But if I'm cherry-picking right now, if there's another round of expansion, and I'm thinking we really need to add a couple more teams here. We need to get a couple more schools in. And if you've ever tuned in to the Don Nealon and Bob Pruitt show, which uh, wrapped up. Don Nealon said, look, you want to even this thing out, need two divisions. Make two divisions, then you don't have this screwy uh, tiebreaker situation with three teams playing for a championship game. No, we need divisions. How do you do that, I asked him. He said, need more teams. All right, where are the teams coming from? Um, Yeah, that's where we hang up on that uh, conversation and move on. So, UCF probably is going to get an invite somewhere in the future. Somebody is going to get them in their conference. You knew that this is a program that wanted to elevate itself the minute it started skyrocketing from when football became a thing to when they were in the Mid-American Conference, when they bolted the Mid-American Conference, because, again, they were on an upward trajectory and now they're right where people are talking about that program. People are looking at them as a legitimate program, and they could compete with some of the big boys, right? Well, we're going to find out again. We're going to find out. But they could compete. I don't know if their current schedule is doing them any favors, but these are the teams that are put in front of them. This is the conference that they're in. This is what they have to deal with. But... 
I wouldn't want to play them. I remember when Marshall was beating them and they weren't on the same level as Marshall, and then they just accelerated because they've got the land, they've got the population base, they've got the enrollment base, they're in a great area. There is nothing negative about what they've got going on right now. They've got everything they possibly need to make this push, and you see where they're at football-wise right now. It's a, it's a height that I know a lot of people dream about for Marshall. Wish Marshall could reach those heights, and I'm sorry, not going to happen. Not at that level, not at that pace anyway, just because you can't compete with the enrollment size. You can't compete with the population base. You can't. The money, it's tough. I know it's very hard for Marshall and Mike Hamrick to pay the athletic bills. And UCF is uh, in a good position right now. They might be in a situation where they're a highly sought property in the next few years. Big school, lots of attention, and they're probably going to start winning some recruiting battles. South Florida's got a shot at that too. They've got a nice situation, but if you're Central Florida – you're looking past that. You're thinking, all right, we're going to compete with the likes of Florida if they don't already. We're going to compete with the likes of Florida State if they don't already. They're going to compete with the likes of Miami if they don't already. So they are in a situation where if you sign something like this, what's it benefit Central Florida? Where's the benefit? And it all really comes from, look, you've got a cartel running the college football playoff. That's what they're calling it. It's more of an invitational, it is. I think the four best teams on paper might be there. You've got the best one-loss win. You've got an undefeated Alabama. You've got an undefeated Notre Dame. But this system does not allow for the possibility that, you know what? There might be more than four teams worthy of this thing. And I've always hoped, it's never going to happen, that you would take the five conference champions from your Power Five. Okay, five conference champions. You get in. There's five teams. And that leaves three slots. Okay, three slots. How do you fill those three slots? Do you take a couple at-larges? That's a possibility. If you do at-larges, then you can work in a Notre Dame. But what's to say at Notre Dame's not an at-large every year? Well, you got to have an undefeated season. you got to be a top team. You know, there's, there's, there's a ranking system here. There's a possibility that you could get away with an at-large or two. So that way you allow for the possibility that, okay, you've got your conference champions. They've earned their spot in. And then get a couple at-larges, and then your last spot's reserved for that so-called group of five team, the best of the group of five. I've always thought that you should take the conference champions, but you've got more conference teams that would be champions, then you probably have slots. So instead of the at-large, I always thought you could have play-in games. You have the 
the best group of five team get an automatic berth. So here's your five power five, if you want to go that route. And then you have slot number six reserved for the best of the group of five. And then slot seven, eight, nine, and ten, they're play-in games. So Marshall's got to play the MAC champion to get in to the next round. It's not going to ever work. I'd like a pure playoff, but again, how's the playoff work? I think conference champions, if you're trying to get a national champion crowned, let's have it a little bit more inclusive. But of course, some will agree, some will disagree. I think the bowl games, for the most part, have been devalued. They're still fun. But there's an argument that, say, for example, a Will Greer who decided, I'm not playing in the Camping World Bowl because it's inconsequential, it means nothing, and I'm going to go take care of me. And there's arguments for why he's making the right decision, and there's arguments against why he's making that decision. Ultimately, at the end of the day, he's got to take care of himself, and he's got to do it the best way he knows how. And... You applaud a kid like a Tyree Brady that says, hey, you know what? I'm going to play this game. I want to play it. I want to get one more shot and thundering her uniform. That's great. And then you look at a kid like Will Greer and he goes, you know, I gave you everything I have. I'm going to go take care of myself now, get ready, because there's a potential here for me to have a, uh, a great draft and have something happen to me that will be life-altering. And I just want to get ready for it. I want to prepare for that next step. I want to make sure that I've got everything in place to prepare for that next step. And thank you for everything you've done. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, let's be honest, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, why do you go to a particular school? If you are a upper-level athlete, are you going to a particular school because they've got an academic program that's going to really propel you and the chosen career that you're looking to go into, for some student-athletes, yes, this is the opportunity. Hey, I really want to be a lawyer, and so I'm good enough at football. I'm really good. I can just I can call my shot. Other athletes, hey, I want to get a good education. It's a great opportunity, but at the same time, I want to play in the NFL. You're getting me ready to go play in the NFL. That's what this is about. So many arguments. Nobody's wrong. That's the one thing about this that probably irks a lot of people. Nobody's wrong. There's no right answer. There's no one definitive answer here. And you go back to this beginning of this. UCF has got to do what's best for UCF. Same thing with Marshall. Marshall left the MAC because why? Marshall thought, hey, we're jumping the Conference USA. This is going to be bigger and better for our program. Sorry, MAC. Thanks for everything. We'll see you later. Same thing with UCF. Sorry, ACC. Appreciate it. We're gone. We'll wrap this one up when we continue. This is The Drive presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center. I'm your host, Paul Swan, on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're wrapping up this edition of The Drive. Paul Swan, your host here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930, presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center. Yesterday was good. Thunder here got the win. Basketball, that was good. Back on the road, we're going to um, have um, a lot of basketball over the next few days because um, it's going to go to three games. We're going to have a New Year's Eve game. We're going to have a game a few days before Christmas. We're going to have a game coming up here on the 15th. And then in between all of that, football, football, and football. That's right, bowl games. Uh, last week of the year, not going to be here because we're going to have football and Christmas. By the way, uh, Christmas is coming up too, so we're going to have football it's a service, really, what we're doing. Here's the deal. We know you're going to be busy. You're going to be out. You're going to be driving probably from family home to family home. You're going to be doing everything between now. You're just not going to have time. You're not going to have time to sit down, just watch all the college football you want, the bowl games. And we're going to make sure that you don't miss the big action. So uh, we got plenty of bowl games coming up, and uh, keep an eye on the local listings. Uh, we'll make sure that those guys know everything so you can just uh, glance down and see what's coming up today. And, of course, check in with me as well. We'll keep you updated on everything. So that's what's coming up in the next few days uh, between Marshall football coming up on the 20th. Uh, nine days away, by the way. Nine days away. And I'll be counting those down every day. If you don't listen to the radio stations consistently, uh, you don't know what I'm talking about, so I'll clue you in. Um, I'm counting down. There's going to be uh, – a wave of commercials between now and the bowl game. Me, my voice, just reminding you how many days until the bowl game, which is nine at the moment. Nine days. And from all indications, I believe this is correct. If you can't go to the game and you want to watch it with, I don't know, all your friends and eat chicken wings, roosters, I believe that's where we're going to be for this one. Our final appearance at Roosters. That's right. Get the boneless. I got the boneless. Uh, I think I got the uh, last time I did the boneless, I got the Carolina Gold. I got the boneless before with the honey mustard off the side. It was really good. But enough about that. I want to thank our producer, Gabriel Sellerts. Also, uh, Bill Cornwall for helping me out last night with uh, some of the uh, post-game sound from uh, the locker room back part of the Henderson Center, the part you never get to see. I'm Paul Swan. This has been The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.